I'm your host, Stephen Hopkins, and I'm here with my co-host, Ross Octavian. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Ain't no bones, Ross. Ain't no bones in that Ain't no bones up in here. Fuck. My name is Ross. Okay. Hello, my name is Ross Ajamian. Uh, I'm starting a podcast with uh, an old buddy of mine, Stephen Cuck Hopkins, who's going to join us right now. Hi, Ross. Welcome. Welcome. So we're looking forward to starting this podcast, and this is something we've been kicking behind the scenes for a while. We wanted to start red-pilling people in our orbit. And the best way to do it is to get two people that are pretty informed, pretty non-polit. Well, we're we're what are we? What are we? We're apolitical. We're non-informed and, and and political. It's the it's the best winning combination, especially as a trumpet uh, a trumpeteer. Is that what we're called? <laughs> Trumpeteers, deplorables, yes. whatever you want to call us. But here's the thing: we are pretty plugged into what goes on. Uh, we are not the type of people that are partisan with one of the big two parties that are running us down into a ditch um so and we're also interested in making sure that we hold everyone accountable uh and the only way to do that is to red pill everybody we know uh and make sure that they're awake to what's going on so can we promise at least one thing and at least that one thing is that many people are going to be offended on by listening to this podcast they will but not i want it to be like through policy stuff right like well, it, it, that's, why, that's that's always you know like what makes up a great team is good cop bad cop so you can be the good cop that's what it sounds like okay if, yeah, i'm happy to be the good cop for once in my life um but it, like the, the show itself it's not gonna be something where we're like we're not we're not we have ground rules here we're not gonna have people calling in if we actually get people to call in um we're not gonna be dropping racial slurs we're not gonna be doing any of that crap um so until he can't. Until he is. Until he does. So say again? Until you do. I'm not gonna do it. I already got the lecture. You need to keep it clean. You can't get fired from your job. You can't do X Y Z. You can't embarrass Ross, your family. Keep family. it above the belt, Ross. Keep it above the, the belt. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, there's, there's there's no real rules for this as far as language is concerned. So yeah, the the. No, listen, you 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 know that we've talked about this. Is that it, it's going to be microaggressions, slanging left and right. And if you're someone who is uh, easily microaggressed, then this isn't the thing to listen to. You should just turn the channel. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And do we have a name to be continued? A uh, little background. Steve and I went to high school, um, known each other for about 20, 23 years or something like that. Yeah, and I think the the interesting part about that more than anything is uh, why don't you give a little color on our history of talking politics and how, how that all started. Right. So we both we both grew up in, um, well, you've been more all over the place than I have, but South Shore, Massachusetts, in a little sleepy shore town called Duxbury, Massachusetts. Uh, affluent town. Um, lots of different types of white people there. Um, but, <laughs> but lots of different phenotypes of white people. <laughs> so I think it's like a 98% white town, um, for better or worse. Uh, but you know, it was, I've heard. Hey, hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. I, I, this is a great person to ask. Is Armenian a phenotype of white? I don't. I a phenotype. I I got C minuses in biology. I don't. Well, well, let's let's make it easy. So 
when you're filling out any kind of for, uh, survey medical form that asks that question. No, no, are, Armenian rolls up under white. It does roll up under it white. It does. It does. Correct. Okay. So, well, we can come back. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, because, um, because werewolf, barbarian isn't one of the options, so I have to choose white. Uh, so, but, um, but we're gonna definitely at some point in the podcast and later episode visit the history of the Armenians because there's actually, and I'm laughing, but this getting serious for a second. There is a pretty interesting history that's getting a documentary uh, put out pretty recently, isn't Correct. it? Correct. I believe it's called The Promise on the Armenian Genocide that uh, Turkey to this day denies ever happened. So I guess that can be a, a topic for another... Oh, we're definitely going to talk about oh, that. Oh, we can that's talk about that anytime. We're, we're going to have, we're gonna have a, 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 a U.S. history especially. I think we're going to have a segment that's going to cover some part of U.S. history every uh, every subject. It may be me reading uh, directly from the Constitution. Doesn't that sound fun? That sounds fun. That sounds like exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, put on my top hat uh, and my beard, and I'm gonna read read uh, different different points from the Constitution. That's fine. That's fine because you know, strangely enough, I don't think we got enough of that when we were growing up, right? As, as pathetic as it sounds, I think what eighth grade we got a, a sharp focus on, you know, American history and the Constitution and how it worked, but. Yeah, it was just kind of like a brief passing that was just another section tacked on to, like, you know, English history, European history, which was complete horseshit. I don't even think that we covered African history, which it's, like, not surprising. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Like where we came from, like, skipped right over that. It was, it, was uh, a, it was a focus on some of the waspy stuff in Europe. And you know what? I think we can get away with swear words. I'm not going to drop the F-bomb as much as I can, but uh, already did. I already, already did. did. I'll edit that out, though. Um, We're going to keep track of that. It's one nothing. Okay, uh, fine, fine. One nothing. Hopkins over at Jamie and on the f bombs. That's fine. That's fine. You drop some of the lesser knowns. Um, so, but hold on, hold on. So speaking of, um, this is something we should definitely touch on either now or you know later on. Is um, the town I'm in in Maine uh, recently a town meeting? Uh, out of the 50, if you're familiar with New England Town Meeting, it's one of the greatest forms of direct democracy, which is the only form of democracy that I actually, uh, let's say, endorse right? uh -huh. on a very local level. Uh, and it's, it's great. The New England Town Meeting, which has been around since, you know, hundreds of years, where, again, you can directly participate and go in, you know, in, in my town, we have about 75 different items that you directly vote on. A lot of it is tax spending, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So the last item of the day when everyone is the most tired, the most stressed out, we just had lunch, everybody's full, and it comes up the last question, do we repeal Columbus Day? Huh? And everybody goes, wow. what? And do we replace it? with Indigenous People's Day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everybody starts looking at each other like, did I just hear that correctly? Like, are we actually going to, it's what we ban Columbus Day and replace it with Indigenous People Day. Yep. And so I'm kind of looking around and see how everybody else is reacting. I'm looking at my sister and my brother-in-law and we're kind of just, you know, in, in my head, I know the history of Columbus like a lot of other people do and I know what a, bullshit holiday it is yep. so 
you know, there, I, I was looking behind me and there was an Indian guy that was there and he was very like looking at me like, oh, this is a great idea, you know, and I'm looking yeah. around and everybody seemed like they were apt for it. And so we put up the vote and a couple people in the back, you know, raise their hand in the no. And I uh, have to say that I probably voted yes to repeal Columbus Day in uh, now so we support Indigenous Peoples Day. Really? So this is in some town in Maine? Yeah. This so is in, uh, This is in small town Maine. Uh, and it, it, it was, uh, I thought it was going to make the big news, but instead, uh, the news has been completely uh, dominated by Donald Trump and the lefties <laughs> trying to take him down. So that didn't quite fit in the news cycle. So it's almost like they're cannibalizing their own, like, hot button topics, right? So on a normal day, the libs would be all up in arms about Holiday X being offensive and here's, the, here's why we need to replace it. Now they're so hyper focused on. You know, churning the the daily Trump news into something bigger than it really is, this stuff starts to get lost in the shuffle, which is amusing to me. I'm, I'm it is. It's 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 actually kind of real news that people would be wanting to discuss, and it could be productive. But you know, in, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because that gets us back into the beginning of what what this was was the introduction uh, in why we created this podcast, and I think. It'll also bring you back uh, as I finish with answering the question of how we how we started kind of getting into this stuff and how long ago and what those initial conversations were. Uh, but we decided to do this because we see that I think that you'll agree with me and expand on it, that it's just come time uh, that we've seen a lot of nonsense that's out there. And it it's a lot of divisive language uh, and things that have that are being said. I think that we talk about the left has been moved so far left, um, which is not a bad thing in a lot of ways. You know, for social issues, uh, I, I'm very uh, liberal in a lot of ways. You know, but that comes from my libertarian leadings. And then the right, I think that they've kind of been forced to, you know, because of George Bush and a lot of the shit that he did with his his administration they've been kind of dragged with the left uh and they haven't really had foot to stand on so we really haven't had that other end to to you know push back for you know we had eight plus years of obama and it's come to a point where it, you know our, i don't even recognize our world anymore would yep. you agree i would agree and, and, I would... It bothers me. It bothers me as somebody who, you know, really has, at least in my mind, a deep understanding and appreciation for the Constitution and the men uh, that that created uh, this beautiful experiment and this constitutional republic that we call the United States. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, as a libertarian, and I think that you, again, will fall into that category, it's our job to really drive home that center line and remind people, both left and right, that, you know, this is where we should really be, right? And, right. and with this center line, we should be looking at this constitutional republic and the laws that were put down, uh, you know, for us. Uh, that are unalienable, not given to us by a government, but given to us by Ross's God, the pedophile, the one and only <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you are all, you're an awful human sorry. being. <laughs> sorry, you know that's another thing that we'll that we're gonna you know I think the big thing that we can say is we're gonna disagree over is their whole religious thing because i discriminate equally as you know i think they're all a sham it's a great question that i'd love to ask and i'm gonna ask all of our guests 
Uh, it's going to be an ongoing theme. Is it's? I think it's one of the greatest questions for any religious person out there that calls himself a religious person. And is that would you give up your religion if it created and started world peace amongst everybody right now? I got that question from you a couple of years ago, and it was quite a head scratcher. So it well, was, and you absolutely refused. And I think yeah, I think I, I think I hung up on you, or like I had to go. Uh, something came up where I couldn't answer the question for four years. Uh, so well, maybe we'll get to, you know, and, and hopefully we'll be able to reget uh, have you answer that because uh, four years later, because that's still one of the things that I'm working on you on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so about, no, I and that's fine. So yes, we'll have a while to do that. We will. So to 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 your point. So really, for those, I mean, a, a lot of the people that are going to see this are going to be our friends that we've known over the years. So they already know our backgrounds, but basically. I'm you know, I'm a conservative, devout Catholic um, who was woken up by Steve 14 years ago. Um, Steve's always been a true, true-blooded libertarian. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not ass-kissing. Um, whereas I'm more in my infancy of being a libertarian. I was more of a Tea Party Republican. Hell, in college, while we were dropping bombs in Iraq, um, I was an establishment Republican um, who felt that. Uh, as a, I was, I was, well, let's if that was two, uh, 2003, two years after 9-11, I was a senior in college, um, and I got a call from Steve. And we were just shooting the shit, catching up, how's life, blah, blah, blah. And his, his stance was, oh, Ross, you, you Republican types, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And I was so busy feeling I had to defend the Republican Party. Not conservative. Hold on. We're, we're yep. going to introduce this term right now because this is something that we're all going to hear a lot and I'm going to use a lot. You were playing sports ball politics. Right? I was. You were playing I was. sports ball politics. I was team politics. Team po- I, was, I was a cheerleader for the hometown team. So the hometown team back then was the Bush administration. We had come off of a divisive campaign where... Bush won at the time. I didn't think it was because of any hook or crook. It was just, oh, he won Florida, and the person that certified it was a Democrat, so it must have been legit. You can, yeah, I, you know what? I'm I'm comfortable to say that now, so people can't say I'm a partisan dick. Um, so let's let's just step. So say he is he he stole Florida. I mean, if you're too much of a dummy to fill out a ballot, right. And it's not, you had low energy and you didn't stick the, the chat all the way through. That's on you. You're, you're probably a dope. But at the end of the day, if people were able to exploit that and you had one schlub running out the door with ballots that he wasn't counting and you had another one for the other party doing this, there was so much noise and fog of war. But I would say, you know, usually the blue blood establishment families will try anything to stay in power because it's all they know. Um, so I'm ready to say, yeah, he stole Florida. Um, and I voted for him twice. So this is like what 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 Steve and I are going to talk about is we are not people that are just brainless cheerleaders for a party. And I'd almost be embarrassed now. I, I'm kind of embarrassed 14 years later that I was so attached to the Republican tit. I was on the Republican plantation. I did not want to say Bush was doing anything wrong. Even it's if, the way, Ross, you know, I think it, it's the way that I, I grew up, and I think you grew up a lot on sports, and I see a lot of that similarity uh, in sports where, you know, you're for your team, it's your team, even though you don't play or you don't get paid, right? Right. Which is an interesting psychology that I had to, 
examine even myself. Yep. Uh, but you know, I recognize in that examination, it's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not putting it down. It's, it's interesting, right? I'm just reporting on it. Yep. Uh, but one of the things that it does lead to is exactly what you're talking about, right? Which is, you know, really not able to look and examine objective information. It is, uh, you know, really looking at what the talking heads of your sports team are feeding you, right. whether it be a PR person, right, or a coach or an owner, and then you're, you know, you're going to live and die uh, with that message. And right. there, there's nothing exiting or entering that bubble, right, or maybe besides the message that you're being fed. Right, exactly. So, for instance, when, you, when you're listening to a Red Sox game, Jerry Remy or whoever or Silva's replacement is, they're going to be pro their team. They're not going to be able to see objectively, you know, that this pitcher was pitching inside, this P wasn't trying to hit the other guy, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at the sportscasters on the other side of the field, you know, the Yankee sportscasters, the Orioles sportscasters are probably saying, well, he was trying to come high and tight. He was trying to hit the guy. So you have people who are cheerleaders for their own team in sports. Who's the best? best, And there's a Boston example. Who's the best example of that for all the Boston fans that are going to be listening to this? And ones that just are, we'll give you a hint, basketball fans that would know this guy because of this. Tommy Heinsohn? Tommy Heinsohn. I love Walter. Yep. I love Walter. Two Tommy points for Walter. He is the quintessential homer. You don't, and he's a good guy. He's a legend in Boston. But at the end of the day, you know, a foul to him may not be a foul to the guy doing the Indiana Pacers games, you know? So we are trying to wake people up from the establishment thought of the two-party failed system with an 11% approval rating um, that churns out the same type of candidates that keep the ball between the 40-yard lines at midfield, if to use that analogy, they never really break it wide open and do a big Hail Mary pass that everybody benefits from. The crowd goes well. No, they keep the ball between the 40 and the 40. And That's right, Ross. And with that, in, with that in mind, lay out for people, who are the two teams, since we're using the sports ball analogy here uh, in our example, who are the two teams that people fight for and root against and for each other? So for me, it's the establishment Democrats. And it's the establishment Republicans. And there's that left-right paradigm that everyone... And this is me fighting it 14 years ago. And to your credit, you you saw through that bullshit paradigm. And you're like, well, no, Ross, it's really... It's okay to have a little bit of both, but none of either. You know, it's okay to be a third or fourth or fifth party. You don't have to subscribe to that because they're failed uh, orthodoxies. They don't work. That's right. You know, it's, it's interesting, and as you say, uh, you know, it was it was interesting for you to look back at that time. It's very trippy for me to look back at that time, uh, the same time you're looking at, because as you know, I identified as a quote unquote liberal uh, Democrat. Um, yeah. uh, voted for Obama twice. Voted for Gore. Was really upset about George Bush. Didn't know what was going to happen. With you know, actually happened but had a really bad feeling i think you know to be fair a lot of that same feeling quote unquote uh that i think a lot of people in that fever pitch comes from with trump right now yep uh which you and i rail against uh and where it's going to be a big thing here but it's it's because of that right there's a big difference is back then you know people were nervous i was nervous but there was never 
the, the McCarthyanism, right, that you yeah. had from the 50s that we see now, yep. right? There was never that panic. You know, there was always Republicans have always just been complete assholes and they still are, right, like the classic Republican, but they've always been respectful. They've always said, you know what, this is how I feel. This is what I think. You and I know it's complete horseshit. It's led us into wars. It's done a really trickle-down economics doesn't work, right? It's a lot of their core fundamentals are horrible ideas. Right, right. But at least they're respectful humans, and that goes a long way as we see it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work that way right now. No. Uh, you know, and I think that that's, that's not really good. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, to kind of bring it home on that point, like we both and you you worked on me for a couple years. It really I mean, you and I, it was all good. Nate. No one was ever really pissed at the other person. I mean, I'm I'm the type that doesn't really get offended. So when Steve will make a remark about Christianity, whatever. Yes, the it's, only time that you and I ever get upset and I've, I've actually been upset with you, not like angry, but upset is the religious thing, because yep. it's like the information doesn't get in the bubble. Uh, where it seemingly does in other places, but I think that that is a seemingly religious thing that just seems to happen. So it's not yep. just you. Yeah, no, it's that's fine, and, and it's it's my job as a Christian to defend the faith. I'm not going to be some cuck that just rolls over and takes it. Oh, Steve's just being silly again. <laughs> we, we will go back and forth on that, but there is no. It's not like the way the Hillary supporters are treating the Trump supporters where you treat them like dog shit. You think you're intellectually superior. You're better. You're the elitist. You're the, you're the, the, what is, what is the phrase? I want to get this right. The Acela regional coastal elitism. That is 2016, 2017 liberalism, the runner ups of the 2016 election. Um, the great humbling for them. That's important to notice again is runner ups. The runner ups. The first loser, which the is first... really important to highlight a loser, which right. losers, you know, they lose and then they recognize they lose and winning losers go and recognize how they lost and go and fix that shit. Right. Exactly. Now, let me back you up for a second yeah. because you decided to drop the word, uh, as you know, it's one of my favorite words for a lot of reasons, uh, but you dropped it first. So for a lot of people that don't know, and you know, I'm sure they've people picked up on it. What is a cock Ross? So that is a good question it's an evolving definition but when i i a lot of my friends a lot of uh the programs that i watch they'll throw the word around and to the i guess to the uh manhattan elite crowd they'll attach some negative connotation well there, it is a negative word but they'll attach some negative connotation related to some type of bigotry or hostility towards a certain group of people They'll probably make some gay angle in there, like they always do, uh, which furthest from the truth. Uh, it's a word that I think, you know, the attempted to be disgraced Milo Yiannopoulos, who now has 12 million of seed capital to go and launch whatever network he's trying to do right now. So God bless that journey for him. I hope it works out well. Um, but he uses that word a lot. A lot of the alternative media groups use it. Cuck is basically someone that, uh, you know, it's shortened from the word cuckold which is a man, and this is my understanding of the definition, I'm sure someone will correct us and they'll, they'll attach some prejudice to it, but it's, it's watching your wife get banged by another man and just sit and sitting there and just watching it and taking it, you know, you like aggressions being committed in front of your face and you don't do a damn thing about it. So that word has kind of latched on to actually establishment rhino Republicans. 
So it starts off against a political party, and then it gets kind of made made flesh against some of the general people you'll interact with on a, on a daily basis. So, all right, my, all right, let me stop here for a second. My general understanding, and to maybe simplify a little more, uh, not so graphically the way you quite <laughs> describe it, but thank you for that definition that's so graphic, is, and tell me if you agree with this, is that, you know, quite simply, a cock... Uh, a male cock is you would find a male cock uh, carrying his wife or girlfriends or mothers or grandmother's purse yep. behind them yep. at one of these pussy marching parades. Correct. They were they're the quintessential Social virtue signal. warriors, e- easily triggered, easily microaggressed. Right. They're the ones that. So it's it's a very we have to walk a tightrope here because we don't want to send things off in the wrong direction. But I told you I have no problem sending things off in the right in the wrong direction. I'm very stable and confident. That's fine. Okay. Fair this. enough. Fair enough. I'll, no I'll be the, I'll be the good cop then. Again, for the first time in my life. Um, but they're the ones that walk 10 feet behind their... Like, I view women as equal to men. I don't see one group as better than the other. I know that probably offends some people um, with, with um, you know, dried out reproductive organs. But um, it's, to me, women and men are equal. So you walk equal. Um, you know, you don't need to walk 10 feet behind your wife or girlfriend to make it look like they're, you know, girl power. Like, you can be equals. It's okay. Nor would I want a man walking 10 feet ahead of a woman. I mean, it's basic 101 stuff, but we saw this at the Women's March. And I'm not saying every guy that went to the Women's March is a cuck, but I will say a lot of it is... How con- many... Well, all right, since, since you brought it up, give me a percentage. How many of them then? I would say... Analyze it for me. I would say of the... I don't know what percentage of males were at these events, and I'm not saying they're bad if they went. Of the I w- 100% that showed up. I would say... 70% were cucks. Oh, Jesus, that's fine. That's a big number. Um, and, and what it basically means, it's, it's people that virtue signal, and we're going to drop a lot of terms that alternative media uses a lot, um, that the left just has no friggin' idea what it means. So it's like it's like when, when Hillary, um, in the death throes of her failed campaign for the second time, for someone that was supposed to be entitled to this, and she still screwed it up, um, She's she made that infamous speech about... It's 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 Trump listening to this talk show host Alex Jones. Uh, he's from what we call the alt right. They deny Sandy Hook ever happened. They think nine eleven was an inside job, and 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 all this other stuff. And they misdefine what the alt right. The alt right is just some label they assign to like four chan, which apparently is some forum where some racists in caves hang out, like the Richard Spencers of the world. They try to make that. And hijack it so that anyone that's alternative media is a racist, is an anti-Semite, hates black people, hates, you know, different sexual orientations. Now, let's break down, Ross. Let me pause you for a second. Yeah. I think you mentioned a few of them, but disconnected for me and everyone. When you say alternative media, all right, what does that mean? Who are the players? Who's involved right now? Okay, so... Uh, you and I have been listening to Alex Jones for years. Um, you more than I. You were there at the beginning. How uh, long? Can we just pet? You know, and, and I actually wear this. You know, I think I think a lot of people would think this is funny, but I wear this as a badge of, of honor. Uh, how long ago did I tell you about Alex Jones? So it would also mean how long have I listened to him? I think you've been listening from twenty years, and you and I talked about him about ten, twelve, thirteen years ago. You threw it out there, and I was like, "No, nah, man, loose change. No, nah, man, I don't believe any of that stuff." 
and it was kind of like oh it much like much like you know what it was much it's the same thing that happened with me in professional wrestling way back when it was like i want to see how stupid this is and then you just can't stop watching uh same with alex jones oh you know we might be going to war with iran what are the conspiracy theorists of the world talking about what are they saying about financial collapse and all that stuff so you start listening to alex jones and and I started listening in 2011. You've been listening since around 2000. He's been doing this for 20 years. And, you know, with him, he, he kind of gift wraps everything with a bow on top, right? He's the leader of all this stuff, of all the alt media. Um, he gets millions of YouTube views. He gets so much well, let of... Let me ask you. Let, let me, well, let's come back to Alex because yeah. you know he's a, he's a fan of mine. So, uh, <laughs> well, he's a fan of... <laughs> Vice versa. The idea is for us to him to become a fan of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, would you say alt right? Because you know, traditionally, when I when I've heard or thought alt right, and when it comes to media, I've always thought uh, you know Rush Limbaugh, um, uh, you know, closer to us was that guy Savage. Michael Savage. Yep. Exactly. So really, well, here's the Jay thing. Jay Severn. Jay Severn. Jay was Severn was a, a libertarian. Time, right? like, yep. You know, it's a time I was a very much left leaning person, but I used to. I've always been a person, as you know, that likes to listen to both both sides so i love to listen to him even though yeah. i didn't agree with him so much but i always especially now applaud him for for even setting up his show and in, in the uh you know in the belly of the beast right in so the in the in wonderfully boston. tolerant community that is boston in the wonderfully tolerant uh edu- highly educated degrees on degrees community of boston and surroundings yes the professional students in, in boston oops did i say that out loud i've probably pissed off a lot of people um but so so really so is it's, that you know is it, do you think that though uh you know uh and who's the other guy that just got fired there bill o'reilly do you think them is classic no then, so i would you know, is, there, is there a new wave uh of alt-right is this is this what we're saying no so i would say alt-right does not want the bill o'reilly's of the world they do not want the rush limbaugh's of the world rush limbaugh so can i back it up a little bit and then give the, the full definition to alt-right um, yeah, if, back you, it on if, up. if you, if you, back, back I'll back it on up. So historically you had the Walter Cronkite was the one delivering you the news all the time in the sixties and the seventies. And from there, Super weird too. Can we talk about that? I've, you know, since I was a little kid and I know and I, and I, we're going to get into the history, but it's just super fucking weird. And now it's tied one, one, but I got to throw that in there. Cause since I've been a little kid and I've watched the news, if anything, I've always felt how odd it is. It's just so odd that we get like the, one of the most important things, if not the important thing, is the news that is going to form so many of the basis of our beliefs on people and color and race and, uh, you know, local and national and, and international. And it's from freaking actors. Yeah, it's it is. It's people who get makeup put on and, and worry about their appearance and, and have teleprompters and... They're not. They're not trained in the news at all, right? Like they're it's, not. It's like a couple dolls. It's like a Ken and a Barbie doll. That that. Anyways, go back and yeah, and talk about since the beginning of the history of when these clowns took over. Yeah, the so clown car started. The clown car started. So really, I, mean, I would say in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was it was a just like pro America. Neither side had skin in the game. You had CBS, ABC, NBC, PBS, NPR. They were your basic way of communicating, and there wasn't any real bias until we saw in the '80s, and it was the first book I read on this topic. As a as a you know lifelong Republican until 2012, I was always looking for bias, and it was it was 
as in your face as it gets, Bernie Goldberg's book, Bias, about his time at CBS for 22 years, started to say in the 80s, it got to the point where people were, uh, you know, the stories were tilted in a certain direction that aligned with more liberal policies and, you know, you can't you can't have a pro-gun message on a newscast. You can't talk about this, that, or the other thing uh, because we don't do that around here. Uh, social issues fell to the left. Uh, economic issues fell to the left. And at some point, as you know, CNN gets created, uh, we start opening up the cable networks in the 90s. So right off the bat, you had the big three, the nighttime news, the Good Morning Americas of the world, they were all slightly liberal biased, but not bad, not super bad. Then you had CNN come in there. And I guess they started off kind of clean, but in the 90s, it, it, you know, late 80s, early 90s, it started to take off. Cable news was big because everyone was getting cable. CNN went to the left. So then it got to the point where you have legitimacy in the 80s where the big mainstream broadcast networks are tilted liberal. And then you now have cable news doing it. So in this night- is where things change, right? In, well, here, in yes, this time it, in history, besides the obvious, when cable comes in, but it, it really changes, right? It does, and here's what happens. So, if you're noticing a trend, you're saying every major form of media is tilted to the left. It's almost like a permanent home field advantage for the left. I've always kind of thought that, especially when I was on the side, which I was okay with when I was on that side, right? Yep. As always, yep. I'm sure everyone else. Is. Well, you probably well, I, I would. Human nature says you deny, deny, deny. Circle the wagons. Uh, much oh, like well, you know, back then, the other side is you know they're fucking you know they're I mean again back then let's put a time period on it when I was in that camp and really paying attention that's when I started listening to Alex is right after nine eleven yep right and then we had Bush and all the things that we know were horrible and so you know those people were were defending that stuff for for seven exactly. years exactly and everyone everyone has blood on their hands with that kind of stuff figurative and political and intellectual yeah, blood on their hands. Unfortunately, I was having a talk with my buddy about this, you know, and, and this is, again, to the problem of why I've completely detracted away from this camp, the, the far left, is that you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror, even as somebody who, I voted for Al Gore, I was very upset that George Bush won even then, always was, always thought, knew that he stole it, and then again, we saw what happened, but, you know, I'm just as much to blame as those folks that I disagreed with vehemently on the far right, those Republicans that voted and defended for him. Yep. Because we are all on the same team. Correct. My tax dollars paid for those bombs Correct. that dropped on Afghans and Iraqis too. Correct. Right? Correct. And, are, it's, it's, it's mine too. It's not, not my president. Yeah, I fucking couldn't stand George Bush. Who could? He was horrible except for the people that did. But... He was my president. He was representing me because I'm an adult. Right, and exactly. It's the it's do, the adult Ross, part. They recognize shit like that. Exactly. You know, and you you can roll your eyes at people saying not my president, but you know what? If if crooked Hillary got in there, I would hate her guts just like I hate her guts now. But she'd be acting on our behalf, wouldn't she? Ross? But she'd be acting on our behalf. And Bill, Bill would be out there raping and pillaging he'd on be, our behalf. Exactly, but, you know. exactly. So it's like it's some like I didn't like Obama, but at the end of the day, it wasn't like I wanted bad things to happen to him physically. It was like <laughs> it was basically okay. I, I don't like the guy. I just don't run my freaking country into the ground. Um, and I'm gonna disagree with everything on you, but you're probably a decent father, decent husband. Let's leave it at that. So okay, so before I go down a rabbit hole. Um, so we're in the 90s now, right? And you're noticing a tilt to the left. Well, 
what comes out of nowhere talk radio rush limbaugh rush limbaugh is the lone island he's the revis island of conservatism but it's the only brand we get so it's his i guess for him it was always one foot in the establishment one step in moderate moderate conservatism and he could read the beltway like nobody else and he got crapped on by every other liberal on planet earth he was fighting everybody at once this was before fox news fox news came out in 97 to even the playing field with a right tilted uh message they came out in 97 their ratings sucked until o'reilly came on board and hannity and combs in 98 99 then around, what, I think it was 99, 2000. Pre- was Hannity and Combs, I'm sorry, was Hannity and Combs Fox's real own, almost only their only attempt to be fair and balanced, to be fair? It was, it was actually. It was. Um, R.I.P. Combs, eh? Say again? said R.I.P. Alan Combs. R.I.P. He was a decent guy. You didn't like want to punch him in the face after each episode. It was like, okay, he, he kind of played a card, his, his card straight. Um, but it wasn't till Bush got in and 9-11 and all the other war racketeering and all that stuff, Fox News just started to dominate because now we have a situation where, yes, it's almost like they're thrown in front of your face. Yes, they're conservative, but they're at least saying it. Whereas all the other networks are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? We're biased. Well, (laughs) you know, and you ask a person, you're like, well, well, you know, you make fun of me for watching Fox News, but where should I be getting my news? Well, you should be coming to MSNBC or NPR. They play it down the middle. Or CNN. You listen to these people, you are so friggin' misinformed. Like, at least I admit when I was watching Fox, yeah, it's so tilted right. But they, the, the elitist snobs that think, well, no, my NPR, my MSNBC, my CNN, they are straight down the middle. And that's how you got to be. Anyway, so having that as a backdrop, what comes into into being in the next ten years is alternative media. So basically, oh, and- I think you're missing something. I think this is an important time, and that's why I wanted to stop you here. Uh, you know, not just what you, what you mentioned, but like a lot of other things that we can point to. I think at this time, remember, you know, cable uh, is now in existence, and you brought it in, right? So what also comes with that? Look what happened to the NBA and college basketball. What comes with these, you know, these uh, TV contracts, right? So for the first time, what cable does for news is it brings in these big corporate sponsors that have never been there before, yep. right? That was really different, and that came, that came in at that time. So anyways, go ahead. No, okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. All that stuff was coming in, I would say, early 2000s. Well, again, again, when anytime I think, and you would agree, anytime when big money starts flowing into anything, like what happened to politics recently with that ruling... Uh, with the Supreme Court, right? Citizens United. Citizens United, which um, was a crappy ruling. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is literally a turning point in everything. Right. Um, so I think it's worth it not- noting. It is. History. Go ahead. Whenever you, whenever you institutionalize it, you're going to get more of it. And that is just them just getting it wrong. And I really hope they get it right. But you want to get big money out of politics. And then you have a freaking Citizens United ruling that just like totally takes the, uh, the chains off. But anyway... Um, so here we are, alternative media, like we've come full circle in the last 10 minutes. What is it? It's basically anything that is not mainstream media. It's, it's YouTube channels started by the two of us that actually gain traction. That's our aspiration that it gets, gains traction, but you have Infowars. You, I mean, they're on the left, but the Young Turks are a YouTube channel. I don't like them. I don't watch them, but they're at least a lot more cutting edge than, mainstream media uh you have drudge report which came out in the late 90s which broke the lewinsky story 
Um, you have the Blaze, the failing network from the Fibertarian Glenn Beck. Um, what else do we have out there? We have Rebel Media. We have investigative citizen journalists who are basically said, you know what, journalism? You guys are, you're smart, you're, you're probably nice people, but you know what? You're getting it wrong. You, you take eight years off when there's a Democrat in office, and you start trying again when there's a Republican in office. And they actually basically admitted this through the WikiLeaks. They admitted this in the aftermath of the election. They are trying to become journalists again when you and I, Steve, are basically saying, why weren't you journalists the last eight years? You're supposed to bring the heat all the time, independent of who's occupying the White House. So alternative media is basically citizens rising up, starting their own platforms, their own media. Um, they're doing podcasts, they're doing Facebook mentions, Facebook Live. Uh, they're using Twitter as a platform. They're using now Steemit as a platform. Um, they're using message boards, which those get ugly. I mean, Reddit, 4chan, that gets hijacked by the racist, the low the low IQ types that want to just hijack it. But listen, new media is alternative media. We are now the mainstream. You said this to me after the election. Alternative media is now the mainstream. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. I think that uh, you know the, the main, quote-unquote, mainstream media, the ones that you just gave the history on there, uh, they've really lost their credibility. On, on so many things, and I think most recently it's, you know, they they totally, completely, and utterly failed and called the, you know, presidential election wrong for Hillary and all their polls and predictions, their, you know, talking points, their mouthpieces, quote-unquote, you yep. know, their, their anchors. Uh, it's just completely wrong uh, in, in feeding all those... Those narratives, you know, the only spin and press they were giving Trump, even to this day, but we'll get into that, has been negative, and that's what really kind of, you know, started really cementing my decision to get into his camp. You know, yep. I was a Bernie Sanders supporter for a while, you know, really confused and jaded, like, uh, you know, a lot of other people, and I think that, you know, it's it's to note, and we'll get into this, I think this is a point for debate, but I think it's people like me, and I've always said this, I said this to you, I think it's people like me that got President Trump elected. I don't think, you know, in the narrative for the, the you know, the people on the left that voted for Hillary is that it's, quote-unquote, the basket of deplorables, the uneducated people on the right, you know, the, the hicks, the rednecks, and it's just simply not true. You know, he he clearly stirred up a segment of those folks uh, that got him. If you, call, you want to call it a base of voting, you know, but really, as we've talked about, the, the swing vote, you know, the independence that, you know, they voted for Obama uh, once and in, in my case, twice. You know, again, as we voted for Gore, you know, classically have always voted Democrats. In this time, just so disgusted with the policies, you know, his continued, we'll call it Bush policies of the previous eight years, you know, just another eight years of George Bush Jr., uh, clear and plain to see. I'm sure we'll talk about that on this in future podcasts. Um, you know, for any independent thinker, to the, the person that's watching this stuff just com completely went back on all of his campaign problems, uh, promises and, you know, really caused a lot of problems. Yep, I totally agree. So, I totally agree. But you know what? You have to get – I think you have to get burned a couple times before you can really wake up. 
Like so, so for instance, you know, I got, I got. Well, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to catch up, but this is this. Is, it's great that you asked that because this. Remember, remember, we swinging all the way back to one of the questions I asked you is, you know, what is it? You know, who are the the, the sports ball? And you know, you you put, quite put it eloquently. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. But who are we really fighting against? Right? Is and this is this is what I think the 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 Obama thing with the hope and the dreams and all that bullshit that I was sold and, and millions of other people were sold. That, you know, bag of goods after a horrible mess of history in George Bush, you know, what happened? Right. So, you know, and, and what you said, you know, it, it totally woke me up to really starting to, you know, take the mouthpiece out, right? As you started the whole thing with take the red pill. Yep. And the truth is, is that the two sides that we are and need to be looking at as a people are not the Republican and the Democrats, and then I'll let you go. Why don't you explain it? Yeah, so so what I and I and I have a, a colleague of mine um, where I work, and we're opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, she was an establishment Hillary girl, and I'm I'm the you know the jaded former Republican gone you know libertarian who said you know what let's do it let's go Trump. Just as an F you to everybody. And I explained to her, and to, you know, to her it was probably mansplaining, because anytime a man has an opinion, he's mansplaining. Um, especially if he's white, which is like the worst. So, um, but I, I basically said, okay, you know, colleague, you see things as far as left-wing, right-wing, Democrat, Republican. I see things, if you just tip that sideways, I see things as globalism and anti-globalism. Anti-establishment versus establishment, and if you see it in those terms, what what whoever has a D after the name or an R after the name doesn't really matter at the end of the day because the enemy is the people that have, you know, the Beltway. They are the people on the forty-yard line of the Patriots, the forty-yard line of the Seahawks, and they just linger there. They have ten yards that they just linger and they just hand the ball off and they punt and it's returned at midfield like the ball always stays midfield when you have moderate rhinos or left of center democrats running the show so if you look at it from a if you want a red pill in the simplest terms it's really are you pro globalism which has failed us or are you pro sovereignty anti-establishment you know national law and order a strong border a strong organic economy that is not run by uh, over-the-top intervention from central banks, are you for all of that? Then you're an anti-establishment type of voter, which is why we saw Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump do exactly what they did. You and I talked about this, Steve. We do not see two once-a-generation candidates. I would even say once-a-century candidates in the same election cycle if Obama was working on all cylinders and people loved Hillary. Those two people do not come about if the establishment is doing its job. And that is such an indictment that we never hear from anybody. I mean, yeah, you, you occasionally hear Obama's legacy is Trump, uh, which is great and it's so powerful and impactful because it's like, yeah, the dude's probably in tears every night um, because Trump is like a bull in a china shop just taking a crap over everything he'd done. He is systematically undoing his entire presidency and I laugh and I am excited at every single 
turn. Correct. And you know what? And I know, and I know that that absolutely blows people's minds. And, yep. and I think that that's awesome, and I encourage that, and I encourage that conversation and that debate on why I think that's funny and why you don't. Well, so so here's the thing. I, I, I like the fact that, and you and I talked about this as well in the lead-up to the election and after, the Bernie Sanders voter. And, and for me, I what I learned in this election is that you don't make fun of the voters. You can hate the candidates all you want, but there's so much of the ugliness is us just fighting over, you know, the quality and integrity of the people voting for a candidate we don't like. You can't make that connection. You can't make that leap. We've all done it. I've had to back off like, oh, you know, you know, Bernie Sanders supporters are economic illiterates. Yeah, guilty. We all get a little condescending at times. But you, Steve, were part of a woke class within the Democrat side that was sick of the Obamas, sick of the Hillarys, sick of the Bills. You know, you're just sick of the establishment. And just because they're a smooth-talking African-American does not make them not establishment. It does not make them more in tune with reality because... Again, those two candidates came up out of the blue because something failed in Washington. So as a Bernie supporter gone Trump, you indeed were the tipping point. It was not, you know, unhappy libertarians who used to be Republicans like me. We were not the tipping point. It was the Bernie people coming to the Trump camp. Yeah, I've had another buddy that we, we talked about this, and he's 100% right. It's just kind of basic math as you know that you know that's what a base is right bringing it back to sports ball and that's what they depend on this sports ball politics is obviously the base and that's what trump did is he stole that base because he's actually not a republican people either know that or don't and need to know that he's not a republican he ran on the republican ticket because there's no chance he was going to run on you know count dracula's wife's freaking coattails you know what i mean right so you know so yeah, where was I going? Well, yeah, so, so he had he had kind of an easy lane. He had sixteen other people in the clown car with him. The only other credible ones I think were Rand Paul, um, Rand Paul, and uh, Rand Paul. So um, <laughs> I agree with you. Totally agree. So so he saw that he made that beeline for the Republican. Um, we knew he was former Reform Party. And, and it's, again, you, you walk through with these people, they don't understand even Trump's history. He's always flirted with this stuff since the late 80s, since he went on Oprah to talk about it. He's given to both parties. He's gone to weddings for both sides. Hillary and Bill were at his wedding. Um, that's just hey, the, the businessman, as you know. You know, and I know you've watched this recently. Everybody get on Netflix and go watch Get Me Roger Stone because, you know, Roger Stone who has become a personal favorite of mine, you know, and this is what tells you, right? This is what gets me up so upset with labelists, right? That's what the left has become is they label everything. And it's, you know, you have to fit inside this box and be one thing. But if you're one thing, you can't be another. You know, I was told that I can't be a feminist because I shared some Milo, uh, you know, posts on Facebook. So I can't be a feminist. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, you're, you're not allowed to be in there. Ridiculous. You can't like, be in their circle. Life you clearly haven't lived life or you've lived it from your parents' basement, son or daughter. Like, get the hell out, get real, right? Yep. Life and real life and real people are a very gray area. You know, it's also what makes life beautiful. Right. You know? Right. No, exactly. As we get older, we start to realize that. I think going back to the college years, we're all a little bit all over the place. We haven't been refined. We haven't read the books. We haven't gone through the history. We haven't been screwed over. To the point, you know, we're all, 
you know, wide-eyed about the world around us. And again, you know, going back to you and I uh, were, we graduated in 99. So this, you know, two years in, we had the contentious election and the 9-11 hits. Some of us go in a more peaceful direction. Others go into a more war hawk position. And people got so divisive over that. And it got to the point where, and even Republicans, were. I recognize this. What was the first thing I said when I saw kids protesting during the Iraq war? You must hate America. And I, I, looking back now, it's like, dude, brutal, Ross. That is that is so stupid. You're falling for the trap. That was me. That was me protesting. That was you protesting, and for me, and I don't. In the reverse, let me flash forward, right? Because you remember, uh, this is local to us. After the Boston bombings, which was really, you know, hit close to me, I was on the. What was I was on the Green Line that morning uh, before the bomb ha- uh, hit, which was really freaking scary. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the days afterwards when they shut the city down and we as a bunch of fucking cucks in Massachusetts stayed our asses inside like daddy told us, the yep. fucking big brother, right? Yep, yep, Still, yep. obviously, as you can see, burns my ass to this day. But when I go on social media to be like kind of pointing out what a bunch of cucks that we're all being, like... Why aren't we out there freaking, why are the police taking so long to find this guy since there's a million, you know, agencies, local, federal, national, state, looking for two freaking bonehead kids? Yep. Right, that's what they were. They were two bonehead, older, you know, young adults. Yep. And, and, you know, I I post that on Facebook, and it was like, immediately, you know, met with, like, how dare you even question the police and, you know, all this stuff. And it just, like, really showed me just what a crazy kind of society we've become. Yeah, because everyone's so emotional. And, and again, I look back to my Facebook post that week as that was happening. Um, and it turns out that, you know, you, you you had it right. You're like, some dope goes out to smoke a cigarette and he sees some movement in his boat and he solves the freaking case. There's Zokar, um, Zarniev bleeding and all over the place on his boat, yeah, and he cracks I mean, the that's, case. That's, that's what a well-informed populace, and you know that's what we do. And, and you know you're militant together. You know you work as a community. Right. Uh, it's not all about like these stormtroopers like they were in Boston. You know that came in that looked like we were downtown Baghdad in Newton. And well, that's the thing. Cheering. That's the thing. I mean, insane. we we it was Watertown martial law. I see they're doing like the news reports. From the street corner where all my Armenian side's been like waked. Like this is like Armenian Central. So I'm like, oh I know all of that stuff, blah blah blah. You got you got other friends, you know, emailing us saying, Yeah, I can hear gunshots right now. This is crazy. And you are like, what what is going on here? We've shut down the city. When was the last time they did this for like escaped convicts who are also killers? When was the last time Someone was in a, there was a manhunt for someone and they shut down everything. They did martial law. They went door to door checking. So there were, there were reports of guns being confiscated for innocent people. There were situations where people were threatened to go back in the house or shots would be fired. There are tanks and big MRAPs in the street, big Humvees. And this is Watertown. This is nice Watertown. And at some point they, they catch the guy. And what do we do, myself included? We start chanting USA, USA. And at some point, and then I, I even I said something. Like, we got to get this guy. We got to torture him. Me, who is like awake but wasn't as awoke back then, 2013, 
and I and I'm even falling for it. And I said this to my colleague. I said, "What did you think of Watertown martial law?" And she said, "What do you mean Watertown martial law? Is that where the the police came and helped everybody in Watertown to keep everything safe?" And I was like, "Oh, come on. You can't tell me the Watertown martial law was just them keeping us safe. That was a template for future rollouts." That was the blueprint. That was <laughs> That was like that was tips and tricks. That was game genie for future attacks of what we can do and what we can get away with. Right? So it's all in how you see it. In ten years so ago. So she think you were nuts? She thought she was very um you could tell the wheels were turning and she was kinda like, This guy's effing crazy. But she's like, I did not consider that, Ross. I will take that under advisement. It was you no. Know, she was she she was a good sport about these conversations. But I said, look, I'm trying to wake you up here. You're on the Democrat plantation where you circle wagons. You don't want to question your leader, like you're going to get arrested or something if you do. Um, it, it it was just it was like an awakening moment. Where it was like, huh? They weren't out for our own protection, and I'm sure they were. I'm sure of the ten thousand agents on patrol. You know, 95% of them were well-intentioned. But it's like the whole that's for your own protection thing. Don't fall for it. It's not. I mean, where have we seen this in the game of life where stuff is for our own protection? You know, this customer service call is recorded for your own protection. And then you get a bad customer service experience out of it. It's like, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't believe it. And I'm not going to get cucked by falling for that again. So, uh, so where do you think? Where do you think these people go wrong, Ross? Why, why are we? Why do we see this stuff, and we have just a completely different opinion than these people? Because we're able to reason with reality. So we, you and I, are facts and data people. When you're facts and data, you don't emote as much. And that was one of the problems. This has happened to both sides of the parties, where you get so wrapped up in the emotion of the day to day. You don't look back and say, well, is there precedent to what I'm getting emotional about? What was done in the past when the same situation came up? Did government overreach? Did government have a good solution or a suggestion? When we overthrew a local government by the CIA, you know, when the CIA got in there into the Middle East or Ukraine or wherever in the middle, you know, Central America, South America, we've overthrown over 60 governments that we didn't like. What was the percent that went well? What was the percent that went badly? We have history on our side when we understand that 85 to 90% go badly. So you and I can look at it because of facts and data and just reading up and studying this kind of stuff where you know that government probably is going to get something wrong most of the time. And whether it's good intention or bad intention doesn't really matter to me because they're still going to screw it up. And that's where you and I can come in there and say, you know what? Yeah, you think it's well-intentioned. You think everyone's looking out for our well-being. They end up making it worse because it's government. It's public sector. Not that public sector is bad, but they do not do things as efficiently and cohesively and productivity-wise as in the private sector. Therefore, public sector government positions are inherently flawed. They're devoid of good ideas and innovations. Um, and they don't have the fear of God that if something goes wrong, you're out of a job. In government, remember, uh, a, a, a budget cut to government is the slowing of the rate of increase for next year. Private sector budget cut is a budget cut. So if you had a $10 million budget year one 
and you get a budget cut, you get 9.5 million the next year. In government, a budget cut is, well, we have a merit increase of 3%. It's only going to be 1.5%. So you're still getting a bump in pay. It's just not as much. That's a budget cut to the government. So two different frames of thought. So do you think that that's where mainstream media, that's what, you know, tying this all full circle to our conversation uh, in the mainstream media, do you think that they, number one, understand what you just said about people's emotions, and number two, therefore, are, would you say that they're master puppets at putting out content knowing that it's going to absolutely just do nothing but play on people's emotion Number one, and number two, whether it's true or not, is going to come in second to that number one. I would say emotion first, accuracy second. Which is crazy, right? Which is crazy. And then I would say even number three, which might be even the number one thing, is that they then turn and look at the other side, which I'm not saying like people at the other side is Fox News. I mean, they're horrible in themselves. Right. But, you know, I would say people like the, the alt news, Alex Jones, Breitbart, as much as people put Breitbart in the Fox News category, they're not. No, they're better than you know, Fox they're News. They're not. They're, they are. They're better. There's, um, you know what it is? You know what it is? There's more horsepower with alternative media? Yeah, uh, you know, people like Mike Cernovich, right? We want to talk about, uh, uh, you know, alt news, right? WikiLeaks. Yep. Um, Jack know, Prasobiak. Yep, exactly. And that's – so Cernovich has been an MVP. Jack Prasobiak um, has been – Really rising as of late. Roger Stone. Roger you know, again, Stone. You know, I have to go back. You know, I, I got to go back because I, I can see this is where I went off about the Roger Stone thing. You know, life is very gray, right? Because as, as I'm watching this documentary, Get Me Roger Stone, which, you know, I, I really, I think you and I are, are a lot like Roger Stone, not only in the way we think, but a lot in the way that we definitely get off and we, we get energy in really getting underneath people's skin by putting out things that we just know is going to, you know, trolling, right? Yep. <laughs> Where we, we all might be master trolls, Ross, what yep. would you say? Yep, I would say so. I mean, it all starts from putting out excitable Facebook statuses and Twitter and this, that, and the other thing, and then it just kind of explodes from there. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, and I think it's being a master troll is kind of knowing and having the information that other people don't because, you know, they're acting off emotion and then, you know, putting things out there that you know that's going to make them go crazy. Exactly. So, for um, instance, so uh, you know, finish your point, finish your point. Life is really gray uh, and it's beautiful that way as much as it's kind of crazy is, you know, as we pointed out and I pointed out how much, you know, the 2000 uh, or the 2002 election really bothered me. 2000. No, 2000 election, yep. you know, really bothered me. I think that George Bush and them stole, uh, you know, Catherine Harris stole that from Al Gore. And I think it obviously caused a lot of problems. So, so say, um, so using that as a backdrop though. So when you hear, hold on, let me say, yep, let me say yep. but, but what, but what was really troublesome when I'm watching get me Roger Stone is that I find out that how they stole that down in Florida People attribute that to Roger Stone. So ultimately, this guy that I look at and I revere now, and I I look, you know, and, and he's one of the people I listen to and I like. As I come to find out, was one of the probably the worst people I would have thought on the face of the planet, going yep. back to the year two thousand. Yeah, and still arguably might, but through these crazy forces that have played out over the last 17 years, he and I are now on the same team, or at least our forces are aligned at the moments, right? It's very, 
uh, you know, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings-esque. It is, and he's a Peter Baelish, so to speak, of Game of Thrones fame. Um, he's the little finger. He's the, he's the guy that kind of is the kingmaker behind the scenes. He plays people off against each other. And to be fair, as it relates to 2000 and Bush, he's actually come out and said, of all the Republican candidates he's always supported, he regretted doing anything with the Bushes. So I think that's his way without coming out and saying he apologizes, he screwed up something, whatever. He basically says anything he had to do with 2000, he regrets. Um, whereas he helped get uh, you know, Nixon's strategy in place. He helped get Reagan's strategy in place. He wrote... Well, hey, you know, but the reason why I brought him up even at the very beginning is that it's interesting is I think that he's been running the Trump campaign as you brought this up you know, earlier uh you know this podcast uh you know he he he's been it's almost like he's been running and setting trump up uh to to be a candidate but not just to run but to win since the late 80s since like 88 yep exactly it's kind of amazing it's It's kind of amazing that people are can look that far ahead i look at i look at roger stone ross as the uh you know the uh the forrest gump of real life of of uh you know in in real life yep Yep, because he, he's been all over the place. He's been he's, all... He's put himself in everything. Yep. I, you know, it's amazing. Ironically, the one place he hasn't really done anything is Russia, which that can be a topic of... Unless, uh, unless he has. Well, unless he has, and we have evidence to conclude that he was indeed uh, compromised. Uh. That's for another day. Um, reason I say that, we're at the one-hour mark for this particular rollout. Do we want to stop, splice it up so we get a first round out the door? No, I would even keep going, Ross. Like I mean, I would, I would remember. Like I think we could go for two hours, three hours, and I'm not worried about it at all. People will just listen to it. But I do want to continue and say I think a big reason, you know, as we've talked this out and we've kind of come to this conclusion, I, it's really interesting. I think uh, one of the reasons why we could be doing this podcast and it could be really important is to kind of figure out the whole thing of why, why are people acting the way they're acting right now? Right. Why, why is it such a different time than it has been all throughout history? Not when you say all throughout history and be that dramatic, but at least our history that we can remember being young adults, right. As the, let's say the, the, the sports ball and politics, the parties have bounced back and forth, but what is it that's changed that's made people so different now? I'd say, you know what it is? You now have, and I'm going to say it, it's 100% down the middle. We have 16 years of fail. So let's say, let's say Bill Clinton bequeathed America like a middle of the road. We're in decent shape right now. Whether it was him or not, or whoever was pulling the strings, he bequeathed us a, you know, a decent shape America. You had eight years of a Republican touching it, and you had eight years of a Democrat touching it. I can't it. say that anymore, Ross. I, I don't even. I, I have to push back. I, I can't even say that anymore. I think that, you know, how how can we say that? Because you have two you have two really important things, right? The, the the number one, one propped him up, and the other one, it's kind of like his war, yep. right? That he didn't start, but he did start. It was an internal battle. So, you know, the first part is the internet, right? Yep. The internet, god damn, he might as well have been around in the late 1800s when it was the Industrial Revolution coming about. Right, right. And it right. was like, whoever's in power then, 
I mean, talk about timing, right? Right. So, Let's get serious. So that's uh, that's true. I mean, and that's how you you can you can make that case for I think any president, that's a right? Big one. But let me let, so that's that's number one, right? That's obviously a positive, and you know I'm not saying we can take that away, but you have to point that out that he was in during that reign where something completely revolutionary that still to this day is changing our society. Right. So so became mainstream. That's right? cr- absolutely correct. Absolutely. Number two. Yep. On his way out. He signed NAFTA, right? And NAFTA is the one piece of legislation we can look back and actually point back to and look at how this country's manufacturing sector has been completely decimated. Now, correct it, correct. I'm sorry, on his way in, so 94. Well, so there you go. Okay, so, uh, you know, I'd be, to fit the story better, but even, you know, that's fine, right? So, you know, we... He's responsible for both. And those two things combined, you almost want to look at as like the plus minus of a player. That's leaving him way in the minus. It is. Way in the minus. It is. So when people say he was able to ride the storm out, everything was great under Clinton. Well, no. I still remember before the election of 2000, we knew we were headed towards a recession. So it's really, it's I see it as musical chairs with these guys. You, Your job is to get in there after a recession is over. And your job is to get out before the next recession begins. And Clinton timed that perfectly. He came in during a recession, so people weren't going to blame him. And he left before the recession was made known, accelerated by 9-11 a year later, accelerated by deficit spending for Iraq and Afghanistan and this new war on terror, and then tax cuts. So the deficit just gets wider and wider and wider. You then have an economic crisis, the tail end of Bush's term. Obama inherits it inherits all the stopgap measures to make, you know, all the big spendage, the the supply side, Keynesianism crap. So he inherits a big deficit. He expands the deficit. And now Trump is here to pick up the pieces. So I've just walked you through very high level of how everything kind of just begets more and more chaos. And Bill Clinton, I guess to his credit, was cagey enough to say, look, the internet is here People are now becoming millionaires and billionaires when they otherwise wouldn't have been. It's okay if I tax them higher on their capital gains. Which, you or I, if we were making millions that we weren't really entitled to make because we you know, stumbled upon the internet shares of new startup companies, what would we care? Oh, Ross, you're a millionaire when otherwise you would have been making 50000 a year. Now you're a millionaire because you bought penny stocks in this internet company. We are going to charge you capital gain taxes that are higher. I say, screw it, whatever. I'm a millionaire now, bitch. So I pay more in taxes. More money goes into the coffers of government. Government cuts down the amount of deficit each year. The debt becomes balanced. And and that's kind of how Clinton played it. So if you have a George Bush in there, if you had Al Gore, whatever, if the internet happened with any of those guys, if the internet happened with me in the office of president, I would have done similar things and we would have had a more balanced budget. And I'm a dope with that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not a dope, but you know, at the end, you know what I mean. Like, I'm not a politically savvy guy. You don't need a Bill Clinton genius in there to to do something that is so common sense. So, yeah, he serendipitously landed with that on his lap. He had a very eight peaceful years. We didn't have the war on terror. Russia was already cucked. Um, you had the Soviet Union breaking apart. Um, you know, what did we had Bosnia and Serbia and you know, whatever. That was as bad as it got with Slobodan Milosevic. That was it. 
and that was pretty under you know that was pretty easy to control. You had Waco in Texas as a domestic issue. You did you had Oklahoma City, but those are pretty isolated events, big deals. But just like you know, I don't think Clinton was really tested the way an Obama or a Bush was, or you know, times ten with Trump. So, but that that's kind of I, I forgot how we went off on that tangent, but that. You know, oh, I know why. It was you had eight years of fail from each party. That's why people are pissed. Obama was supposed to fix everything. My expectations were low with Bush. Okay, I foolishly wanted McCain when I was a college kid. He didn't win. I was like, okay, expiration date. And anytime you make fun of McCain's foolish neocon adventurism, and you start calling him names, like I've done this before, I'm like that friggin' piece of shit. Hey man, he was a POW. Give him a chance. And I'm like, what? Well, he was a globalist pig scum. That's he, all he was. He's filth. He's 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 a piece of shit. And his boyfriend Lindsey Graham's a piece of shit too. They are photographed giving a plaque to the leader of of ISIS in Libya. Like it's photographed. It's all over the place. And the dope, the troglodyte, goes. Well, that was photoshopped. No, it wasn't. You can't photoshop something like it. It's blatant. You and Lindsey Graham, after you serviced each other, went out and got some rebels that you thought were quote-unquote moderate rebels, but most of them are just ISIS affiliates, Al-Qaeda, Jabhat al-Nusra, Boko Haram. They're all affiliated, Um, and and that's McCain for you. So anyway, so McCain, Bush, God, we were going to get screwed either way. What, Pat Buchanan was the third best option? Um, and then you had Obama come in who sold everyone on a different version of a politician because his skin was a little bit different and he talked really pretty. Um, but he ended up just doing the same shit and I didn't expect him to fix the debt or the deficit. I, I actually, honestly, no one talks about this anymore. Arab spring. I was cool. I was okay with that for when it started. I was like, okay, you know what? Obama may not be a neocon. This is great. He maybe he's going to get peace just through, you know, organic demonstrations. This could be the new peaceful way of doing things. I'm going to give a man enough rope to hang himself with. And at first I was like, cool. Egypt got rid of some dictator. Yeah. Ooh, Gaddafi's going down. Libya's getting rid of some dictator. Yemen, Tunisia. Uh, we over- it never works over there. What's that? That stuff never works over there. People okay. don't know the history of their culture. And right. so, therefore, they just look at the surface thing. It's like, again, life, black, white, no gray. Yep. Right? Ooh, that man good. Yep. That man bad. Yep. That man bad must remove. Right. That man good, he can stay. Right? Like, right. You see this for the side. And it's like, it's the biggest problem. It is the biggest problem that's out there. I'm telling you, this is something that we're, we're continuing to uncover, right? Right. It's, and that... it's, it's people's thinking like that, and it's just not that way, right? As we saw, you know, and you can talk to, and they've interviewed former CIA directors, former intelligence people that say that they made a big mistake removing Saddam Hussein yep. from power yep. in Iraq. And it's gotten much worse. And, you know, the, the way that you that you have to you know, in, in a practical way, keep that stabilized with those warring, you know, Hatfield McCoys, but in their case, they have like three warring factions, yep. like major ones, yep. uh, is you need a strongman. 
that yep. is gonna you know be able to that's something that their culture responds to that's a there's a religious component and there's a cultural component right yep the strong man is the cultural part the brutal man is the religious part right because it's hatfield mccoy shit and so therefore the strongest most violent person wins right right it's Fucking! I don't care if you agree with it or not. It's the way it is, and it's been going on for a thousand years. So we're gonna come in here and we're gonna bring democracy. Woo! Like, come on, man. Come yep. on. And they don't know. They don't know what. They don't know what democracy. They don't know what democracy looks like. So then it becomes they don't want an ev- democracy. They don't want democracy. You know what democracy means to them? Death. Yep. Death, Ross. Think of that, right? We bring them our democracy that everybody thinks here, and what does that mean? That means that they're group of people and what does that mean in iraq right like that was the sunnis uh are gonna be in control of the shia and now if the masses take over it can flip-flop and then uh oh you have a holocaust right exactly and that's exactly so in other words i think at some point iraq installed shiite leaners leaning shiites and they they were extreme against some of the sunnis which pissed off al-qaeda uh and that got the ISIS split from Al-Qaeda, and it got them pissed off to the point where Iraq now becomes a refailed state. It's spread into Syria and Libya. And who's the last standing strong man in the Middle East? Bashar Bashar al-Assad, who has actually been done more for Christians over there. He He's a, he's a um, an Alawite, which they lean Shiite, but he's not full of the hate of the extremist Sunnis. So basically, he's the last strongman over there, uh, and it's now been proved for three of the four chemical attacks so far that were linked to him that it was rebel groups. So we... Who's been up the rebel groups? McCain! McCain! Uh, Lindsey Graham, McCain, the CIA. Um, uh-huh. And that's exactly what happens. And so you and I are leading the charge saying, hey guys... It's okay to call out Donald Trump and say it's not okay that McMaster is sneaking him faulty evidence about who really did the attack in Syria, so he bombs a, a facility. Um, that uh, You and I can spot that from a mile away, and now more information is coming out that, yes, indeedy, for the fourth time in five years, the chemical attack, because the gas, the chemical sarin gas that he was supposed to give up four years ago... That was validated by the UN. Um, they're basically saying, no, this is stuff that got into the hand of the rebels. Um, Assad's on a pretty tight leash. Through Hillary's State Department, wasn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So, well, actually, Hillary was out. I think uh, Kerry was in in 13. Uh, Hillary was busy falling down and having petite mal seizures and hitting her head and being concussed for much of. Okay, so to be fair, it was her off that she set up, and Carrie was just following Yeah, the musical chair stopped on Carrie. Carrie wanted a peace prize, got really pissed off. And who brokered the relinquishing of chemical weapons? Vladimir Putin. So the peace peace was saved and protected by, by, by Pootie Pie Putin. Putin was the one that brokered the peace in Syria. Uh, That was actually a really interesting ordeal, because what ended up happening was Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, Dempsey basically said to Obama, we're not fucking doing what you want us to do. It's going to launch World War III. And guess who was the first Democrat general to uh, raise this in front of Obama? Flynn. Michael Flynn. 
Flynn again, begin again. Uh, this this Mike Flynn gained notoriety because as a Democrat, he was a Democrat general, very well respected, was one of the first generals to say, Obama, we are arming ISIS. We are arming the rebels. There are no moderate rebels. They're all organ-eating sick bastards. I'm not being a party to this. I'm not doing it anymore. Our military doesn't want to do this. That news got out. Obama hated Flynn. They hated each other. The, the revenge was going to be, I'm going to get this this Flynn guy at some point. I don't know when, but it's going to happen for him being insubordinate to me. He wanted to stop this World War III that I was going to start with my neocon friends. This is Obama, mind you, the peacemonger, the, 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 the Nobel Peace Prize winning Obama who bombed more countries than Bush did. He just didn't do a ground war. So apparently it's all different, right? Yes, less troop deaths, but more countries and... Muslim weddings being droned into next week. But anyway, um, so that was the whole Flynn ordeal. We're going to talk about the Russia stuff in future broadcasts. But um, so you have the army, the Navy. They're all turning on Obama. They didn't respect Obama anyway. And that's the rub. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of sources in the military that have come out that are noble patriots say they didn't like Obama. They didn't respect Obama. Uh, and you're seeing that because what ended up happening was Joint Chiefs of Staff, Dempsey says, nope. No mas, Roberto Duran, no mas, we're not doing this. If we attack Syria, it will launch World War III. Obama said, no, no, we have to, we have to. Uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Dempsey said, then we're not being a part of it. What happened right after that? Uh, David Cameron's people, they, I mean, his, his parliament says, no, we're not going into Syria. Tony Blair and Bush got us into Iraq. It was a shit show. We're not doing it. We're not doing it anymore. The second the UK was out, Obama lost any leverage. That was it. So because UK had access to some of the information that this was a false flag attack with chemical weapons, um, we know we now know that Turkey was caught trying to stage a chemical weapons attack, um, and it was recorded. So they shut down their YouTube for the day. They cut down their internet in Turkey for a day so they could scrub this. Because a general was talking to another commander and basically saying, we, we have all the information in place to launch a false flag attack and blame it on Assad. That got leaked. And what they did in Turkey was they limited, because it, it was sourced and leaked in, in, in Turkey, um, they shut down the internet for the day. They blacked out everything. And when the internet came back up, all that stuff was gone. So this is what's going on behind the scenes. But you're not going to see that on Rachel Maddow. You're not going to see Van Jones in between his uh, race baiting talk about it. You're not going to see Hannity talk about it. You're not going to see Tucker Carlson talk about it. Okay, you're not going to see that that dickhead Don Lemon talk about it. So don't you feel like in, 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 don't you feel ultimately bad and in, in totally not in a condescending way, right? Is, is I, and this is what I've kind of come to and I've kind of calmed down on even on Facebook because I really feel bad for these people. Is that I feel, I feel like they're being brainwashed by all of those folks and groups that you just mentioned, and it's really sad because I feel like I might have been there, you know, ten years ago. Yep, we've uh, all been there. I, let's I be, let's be humble here. We've all been there. 
always ask the question, you know, what's different from me to them, right? Like, what was so different eight years ago when I was high-fiving those people and we were having meaningful conversations about how horrible the Bush presidency was and how great we feel about Obama and, you know, pulling out of all wars and investments yeah. into our country and education and the debt and the economy and putting people in jail and it was just none of those things happened at right, all, right? Like, right. And on top of it, you know, being the most transparent uh, administration while he's expanding Bush-era spy tactics and as you pointed out, right, he's droning, you know, uh, Muslim weddings from, you know, the White House and people saying he, like, really gets a kick out of it. Oh, he like gets off it. He got off on it. He got off on it. Yeah, like, really sick stuff. Yep. Really sick stuff. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, what, what's a, what, what happened though, Ross? Like, why, why am I able to see all that stuff and be angered by it, right? Why am I able to compound and see and feel anger towards, you know, the, the party that I knew that was just going to give me more of the same, right? Why are those people not angry at that too, why are those people not angry when it's just completely clear that even if you were a party person, right, this is what gets me, right? Okay, so if you're a party and you're playing sports ball and you're a Democratic Party, then why were you not so angry when Bernie Sanders got cheated by her in, her, in, in CNN and the DNC, right? Like, where's that anger? Because they can always talk about it. They know, right? That's they subverting our process. One of the the most sacred thing, one of the most sacred things that we have in this constitutional republic, this great experience experiment that we have going, is voting. Right? Yep. Undeniably, is the voting process. Right. And they want to freaking just treat it like it is and cheat and it's just not important and, and to me like that there's there's no bigger crime than that and, and and just people give her a pass and give her a pass you can tell i'm clearly still upset about it and i think i always will be and i have every right to be it's a real thing right yep. it's not a fake made up thing it's a real thing it's a legit thing and, and remember remember in 2012 and 2008 there were games played against ron paul as well and like they tried to get him not on they they tried saying his paperwork wasn't filed in time. Uh, there was straw poll information that was discounted. Uh, there was some hanky-panky New Hampshire. There was hanky-panky in Iowa. There was other stuff they did to Ron, Ron Paul to subvert any presence because he was at a major pivot point where if he won State X, there, there was a good chance that he could start to gain momentum. They don't like when alternative candidates get You saw what happened to Herman Cain. Remember him? The 999 yeah, guy? Let's, 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 but forget Herman Cain. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? Because the interesting thing was, and again, another reason I brought it up earlier, another reason why I got behind this guy was because, you know, just a lack of alternatives on the on, on the left after Bernie, you know, ducked out like a coward. Yep. No, he's a pussy. What a pussy. Right. But, you know, it was the same type tactics, right? And this is when I knew it was way beyond sports ball. If you want to say sports ball and, and, and put it in those terms, it, the sports ball game, as we already put it, it's the it's the elite globalists versus people who want sovereign nation, you know, their own sovereign nation with borders that are protected and they can have their own culture, right? It's important. Yep. It's important. Yep. 
Uh, well, at least to some people it is, right? To other people, and that's the debate, right? Some people right. think that that's okay. They want a one-world government and everybody's the same. Right. I think it's not really practical, <laughs> right? Like, yep. I don't think it's practical, but that's, you know, that's why we get to talk about these Well, things. that's the thing, because, one, I mean, coming at it from a, uh, a Christian standpoint, I'm always hip to the game about one-world government, one-world currency, one-world economic system, and here we are. And these are the people that they don't want borders. They don't want anything to be, you know, culturally preserved. They're flooding the refugees into into European countries so that they can destroy any culture that exists. Um, so what's the deal with that? Is that is that your stance on that? You think that that's a a globalist plot and plan? I definitely is that why think so. Doing it, play on that. What's yep, on? and that piece of shit. George Soros is the one funding all of this stuff. He's how do you think these people are, are moving from such far areas if they're so damn poor? You know, they're coming up from um, you know, the northern tips of Africa and the Middle but they're East. They're migrating. What do you mean? They're migrating. They're migrating, but you know, that some people that are getting all the way up to Italy and Greece, they're being given some cash along the way. And what's happening, I think, and you're starting to see reports of it where Planes are flying into different parts of the United States or Mexico, and they're dropping off refugees in the middle of the night. And these people are given starting, you know, start off money uh, to go and at least get their self acclimated in this new country. And they are the really? ones coming. Yes, you have. That's to... happening. It's happening. It's happening. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Read it a couple months ago. Yes. Um, you must have read that on that. Alex yeah, you reading that stuff on and that? You know, that's funny. That's how they think. They think, oh, it's got to be fake. They're they're trained to be parrots, so they'll say fake news. They won't look at it. They'll they'll what they'll do is they'll their first two stops are Politifact and Snopes, because this you know the Snopes people the Snopes people that started Snopes can't even get their divorce proceedings right. They can't even fact check their own effing divorce proceedings. They hate each other. The couple that started it, they're fighting. So the very the very message of their site is to give it an unvarnished view, and they can't even agree on how they want to divorce themselves without spin. So that's an illegitimate site. Yeah, it's decent if you're lazy, but like they basically walk through how anything Hillary Clinton done is is not true, and anything Donald Trump did is true. So that's how political political politifact views it. That's how Snopes views Snopes views it. But anyway. These these are the kind of things you're not going to see on the news. You see CNN will anytime someone goes off the script, CNN goes blank. They they black they drop the call. They go give you the rainbow colors. They'll they'll go to a commercial break. This this has happened 10 times since like November. It's comical. The second one of the reporters starts going down an avenue they don't like, CNN cuts the feed. They cut the feed on Bernie uh, when he started talking about CNN being fake news. CNN cut it within 5 seconds. Um so now they're getting exposed because alternative media is hip to the game with that kind of stuff. Um, but where were we? Yeah, to, to the question about the refugees, we start the wars in Libya, in Iraq, in Syria, and things get bad. We fund the rebels that are really just looking to overthrow governments. We, I just read a story today that ISIS commanders are now jumping ship to the moderate rebel group. But that's not because they're switching sides. They're just taking a little break from ISIS and going to hang out with their younger brothers in the moderate camps. 
So it's all, they're all against Assad. So ISIS is against Assad, Al-Qaeda, the moderate rebels, but they're all on the same team. So Assad, in pro wrestling terms, Assad is the good guy right now. That's how scary this is. That's how scary the Middle East is. So scary. Um, Assad's the quote-unquote good guy. Putin supporting Assad is the good guy. The, the, the leadership in Iran, Shiite-dominated Iran, um, it pains me to say the good guy because they're not, but they are, what, what is it? The extreme Sunni wants to kill you today. The extreme Shiite wants to kill you tomorrow. They both want to kill you, but you get a little bit more time with the Iranian extremists. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the dynamic right now. But, yeah, the more refugees we create in Middle Eastern countries, the more get funneled upward to uh, start a family of 10 in, in France uh, or London. And that's what you're seeing. They're outbreeding Europe. The Europe demographics are so bad. Um, you know, the, the, the typical waspy white types are all having one or two kids. And the refugee families, the migrant families are coming in and they're having five, six, seven, eight kids. Well, let's fast, let's play that forward a couple decades. What does that mean? It means... Is that a good thing or a bad thing for Europe? Well, if you're, you know, if you're Europe, your culture that's preserved for thousands of years is going to disappear. If you're the Middle East, it just means you're expanding your empire. Um, and to read into anything without sounding intolerant, um, I would say if you're French and you have a French culture of thousands of years, that culture is going to go away. It's going bye-bye when it gets overrun by people from Libya and Iraq. Yeah, but can't it just be saved in museums? Isn't that what museums are for? Uh, I'm sure the extremists, jihadists, will be very respectful with the artifacts in the museums, as they've shown for the past 15 years. They destroy anything they get their hands on. We just had Buddhist statues destroyed a couple days ago. Another Jesus statue was destroyed the other day by a terrorist. They don't give a shit. Um, so French history, that's gone. I would imagine the Eiffel Tower will eventually get detonated. Um, same with Germany. Same with all the stuff going on in Sweden and London. Again, I'm not saying that migration's a bad thing if it's checked and it's validated. But they're allowed to have some type of measures and controls in place. There's nothing against that. And if you're going to be outbred 7 to 1 by a culture that's being chased out of their area, um, you're going to lose whatever culture you have. And they don't understand that part. I don't know why. I really is don't it, know why. Is it, too cons is it too conspiracy theory to think that the architects of the EU back then could foresee this type of problem and therefore achieving their goal and agenda. You understand? Yeah, I see. I Part of me says they're diabolical. The other part of me says they're incompetent. So there's that blend. Um, I think Soros is diabolical, but the EU is incompetent. So you have that those two things knocking up against each other, nothing good's going to come from it. So you're going to get both. You're going to get incompetence and you're going to get the diabolical. So I think, do they envision that? I think Soros sees that. And that's why he's funneling money and, and helping this accelerate. I just don't think the the clowns at the EU realize it. They're just going to keep bailing countries out and creating money out of thin air at the ECB and 
All this stuff. Sudden... continue to do that though. It eventually catches up to you. What happens? What does that look like when it catches up? Um, that is hyperinflation, like we saw in Zimbabwe in the nineties. But now it happens all over that whole entire, you know, body of all those countries, right? That were once sovereign, not just related to that individual country, right? Right, correct. So you're going to see. A big problem. Well, that's the thing they say in the, the EU. So the Le Pen thing, she's going to win in 2022. So I'm not losing too much sleep over the uh, globalist sheep dipped. Uh, you know, fake centrist Macron. Um, <clears throat> he's a fraud. He'll be exposed as a fraud within the first two weeks. Um, but they, you know, I think the the, the the EU is still on the ropes right now. I mean, you never fix Greece. They never fix Portugal, who's right behind Greece as far as countries that are economically in the shitter. Spain's in the shitter. Ireland's in the shitter. Britain's actually looking pretty good right now that they brexited. They're looking like the adult in the room. Um, all the all these nations, Italy's next, I think. Um, that's going to be a big deal. Italy's banks are all insolvent. They're all going bankrupt. Their populace is waking up. I thought the French populace would vote a little bit more for Le Pen than they did. Um, so they cucked out. But... Um, in 2022, they won't cuck out, and I think they will actually elect Le Pen in a, in a nail-biter over Macron when they realize he's not really a centrist. Anyone that's part of the Socialist Party for six years and that's on, like, their resume um, isn't really a centrist, um, but he called himself one, and everyone reported it as such. Um, so I don't. I think Europe's still on the ropes, you just need one big bank to fail. Um, we saw that cyber attack on Friday. You know, one bank goes down. Deutsche Bank is the one that has like stage four right now. And they keep getting these injections and they keep lying about the settlement that the Department of Justice is going to charge them. And their stock gets a little bit of a pop so that they can make earnings. Their stock goes up even higher. They're, they're, they're just fraudulent companies and they're running out of time. Um, so I think the EU is a disaster waiting to explode they don't know it yet they don't want to admit it they think what they're doing is okay the eu bureaucrats unelected the people hate them i mean you watch the 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 brexit documentary and it all makes perfect sense the amount of rules that they give these 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 countries to follow 60 percent of the rules that you know britain was following were were directed by the eu leaving 40 percent of their own to follow so it's just like it just doesn't it doesn't jive it really doesn't jive and you're seeing populism um go through the world right now you saw it with brexit you saw a little bit of it with le pen austria was a close vote you sure as hell saw it with trump i think if nigel farage runs for prime minister in a couple of years that's going to be very interesting um but europe's done they're done they're insolvent the united states is insolvent but I think, you know, we'll see what the bull in a china shop known as Donald Trump does. I, Again, I, I don't think of him as a, a, an awesome person from a moral standpoint. Um, but morals haven't stopped, you know, bad morals haven't stopped other presidents in the past. So why should we start that now? As long as he can get the globalists back on the ropes, dick punch NAFTA, dick punch TPP, um, you know, put in a nice corporate tax reduction. Don't go into foreign wars. You're suddenly fixing some of the problem. 
you're hearing rumblings about uh, budget surpluses now. I haven't heard that word in 10, 15 years. Um, so we'll see what happens. But that's kind of my long-winded version. I can be long-winded, so maybe I'll edit some of that shit out. But um, that's the deal. That's the, that's, the, that's the rub right now. I know that was information overload. So, um, But I don't know. Where do you want to take it next? Okay, Steve has wandered away from the computer. So I have to keep talking. I don't know if he's still on mute or not, but um, so that's that's kind of the the layout right now. Um, I'm killing time right now, Steve, so that you can jump back in. Um, but where was I? So really, um, I think we're going to give Trump the fair shake that the media is not giving him. Um, I can give you five things I don't like about Trump already for every five that I do like. My job, Steve's job, is to just play the honest broker here. You're not going to get that from mainstream media. You will get that from alternative media, but even then they're starting to fall for the whole, oh, he's playing 3D chess with everybody. Um, I, don't, I don't think that that's the case. Um, he just sees things differently. So hold, you know, hold on one sec. I'm going to see if the phone's still active. Okay. Steve, if you're there, chime in. Okay, so I can keep going, though. Um, but w what's really happening is that Trump is knocking the system off course. And they don't like that. The scum, the filth, the swamp that's been there for 40 years does not like their way of life changing. And he is being... I, I liken Trump to... You know, the, the American people are a restaurant... The kitchen is Congress in Washington, D.C., and Trump is the waiter. And every time Trump goes to serve something from the kitchen to the American people, he gets tripped. He gets tripped by the deep state, the CIA, the NSA, um, even the FBI. The FBI is the most decent of the bunch, but you know that the NSA and CIA are the ones that keep tripping him up. You keep getting leaks. You keep getting you know fake news in the form of Russia intervention which is the complete bullshit story of our time. Uh, and the fact that millions of really intelligent Hillary Clinton voters are just hook, line, and sinker falling for it uh, is just ridiculous. And, and people need to wake up with that. Call them out on dumbass remarks, dumbass tweets, dumbass policy. But the Russian intervention stuff, I mean, that stuff, the second you hold up a little bit of scrutiny on that, it all falls apart. So... Um, you know, let, let's use our brain there. That we've had multiple parties that have said you have Adam Schiff, the guy leading the investigation for the Democrats. You have James Clapper. You have James Comey. Um, you have Dianne Feinstein. You have all these people saying.
to you next time. Take care.